Uh, well, guys, I, like I said, week seven, which is crazy, uh, we're talking about the love of God. We're talking about these attributes of God, trying to get it right. And so each week I've been defining the attribute, uh, the attribute of God uh, for you. And, uh, and typically I'm taking those from, from uh, you know, uh, dictionaries, Bible dictionaries, those kind of things. This week, I'm just taking it from the book we're reading, The Real God. Chip Ingram defines the love of God. And here's why I do this, by the way, because you would think, like last week we talked about uh, the justness of God. And, and you think, man, that's a hard one. And, and so you kind of think, softball, the love of God, that'll be easy. And then you start really thinking about the love of God. You're like, man, this is hard. And so instead, uh, I'm going to use his definition for how he defines love. And this is how Chip defines love. He says, uh, love is God's holy disposition toward all that he has created that compels him to express unconditional affection and selective correction to provide the highest quality of existence, both now and forever, for the object of his love. And, and, and guys, that's what we're going to try to uh, talk to you about this morning. We're going to try to talk to you about the love of God. And I've got four things that I want to share with you. I'm going to move quickly. So here, here's the first thing, guys. I want you to know that God loves us more than we'll ever know. I think that's a good place to start, right? That, that God loves us more than we will ever know. Um, God loves us more than we'll ever know. Um, so in, in the Bible, the Apostle Paul is, is writing um, kind of his young protege. It's a young man named Timothy who's a very young pastor. And, and in that, as he's kind of writing them, he's actually kind of writing out a prayer. But he drops like a, you, you ever find just like a little nugget of wisdom and you're like, whoa, that's really, there's this little nugget in a prayer that Paul prays for Timothy that is like a, an amazing truth as we try to grasp who God is. And, and here's, here's this nugget. It's 1 Timothy 6.16, and, and he's talking about God. And he says, uh, so, so it begins like God, and it says, Who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal power, Amen. And that phrase, who lives in unapproachable light, just means that, listen, God, God's not just on another level, right? God is so on another level that we can't even approach the light of His glory. Like, He's, he's on another, another, another level. We can't even... And, and, and so what, what that means is, as we try to wrap our human minds around this, the truth about who God really is, it's going to be really, really difficult. And so when I say, listen, God loves you more than you know, I really mean that. Because, because there's no way... God, God's incomprehensible. The, 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 the love of God is, is beyond understanding. Just, just think about the, like the most popular Bible verse in, in all of, of history, right? What is that? It's John 3.16. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Like that, that, that Bible verse is everywhere. It's at sporting events. Uh, well, it was when we had crowds. Um, and <laughs> I miss the crowds and the 3.16 signs. And uh, like, listen... Everyone knows that verse. But, but have you thought about that verse recently? Just try to wrap your minds around that for a second. That, that, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Okay? And, and, and listen, I, I, there's a paraphrase version I found this week and it, it said this. It said, for God loved the world so much that he gave. I, like, I, I kind of like that better. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. So let's wrap our minds around this. I don't want you to say this out loud, but I'm going to have you think about something. It's not going to be a clean, pure thing. I want you to think about the worst thing that you have ever done or thought. The worst thing you've ever done or, or thought. 
right? And, and listen to me, whatever that worst thing is, God, in spite of that worst thing, sent his only son Jesus to die in your place. That doesn't make sense. Amen? Can we just, can we just say like that, why, that God would die for people like us? In fact, the Apostle Paul is trying to make sense of all of that in Romans chapter 5. And, and we often quote verse 8 of Romans 5, but we don't get the context, which is only found in verse 7. So here it is for you on the screen. Romans 5, 7 and 8 says, Rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that is the love of God, friends. It is, it is uh, incomprehensible. God loves us more than we will ever know. So that's the first point. Okay? So here's the second point. In spite of that, in spite of the fact that God loves us more than we will ever know, right? even though we, we may never fully grasp the depth and the breadth of God's love, we should try. We should try. E- even though we may never fully grasp the depth and the breadth of God's love, we should try. And I'd like to kind of share the heart of, of one of my favorite people in the Bible with you this morning. Uh, his name is, is Paul. He's, he's an apostle. And, uh, and so I identify with Paul a lot. I also identify with Peter, who does things like jumps out of boats and then lacks faith and then, and then denies Christ after saying, I'll never deny you. I, I identify with that too. But, but the Apostle Paul, who was an enemy of God, um, and, and he, had a, he, had a, he had a conversion point in his life that was drastic. And his life changed forevermore. And I identify with that because I remember when God saved me and how my life transformed and how it changed and how it was different. Um, and, and so I love, I love Paul's heart for the church. And so uh, if, if you were going to get to the heart of, of what he wants, you've got to look at his prayers. And so Paul prays something both for the church and for himself that I think is important for us to see. Here's his prayer for the church. He's praying for the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3. And this is what he says. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, I, I pray that you, you might be able to comprehend with all of the saints, as all of you, what, what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love and, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's saying, listen, listen, Christ's love surpasses knowledge, but listen, I'm praying that somehow, despite the fact that His love is, is incomprehensible, I'm praying you'd still comprehend it. That's my prayer for you. And now listen, this is important because he's, he's praying for the church in Ephesus that faced lots of difficulties. Anybody facing some difficulties right now? Right? And so Paul praying for people facing difficulties doesn't actually pray that all the difficulties will be removed because he personally has learned that sometimes it's through the difficulties that you find the most, the most growth in life. So he doesn't actually pray that, that God's vehicle possibly for building character or building faith would be removed from these people. Rather, he prays in the midst of all that they're enduring that they might come to know just how much God loves them. That they would know how wide and how deep and how long is the love of God. It's huge, man. And then, and then he prays for himself too, right? We, we, we begin to see what, what Paul wants in his own life. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, man, I want to know Christ. I, I want to know the power of His resurrection and participating in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And so what I'm saying to you is, guys, though we will never really fully grasp 
the love of God, we should spend the rest of our lives trying to. It's a worthy aim. It's a worthy goal to spend your life trying to grasp how much God loves you. It's a worthy goal, okay? So point one, God loves you more than you'll ever know. Point two, even though he loves you more than you can comprehend, man, you should spend your life trying to. Point three, maybe the best way to do that, maybe the clearest picture of that is God's love in Christ Jesus. The clearest picture of God's love is Jesus Christ, right? So in John chapter 13, uh, the Bible says that Jesus has a kind of a final meal with his followers, with the disciples. He's in an upper room. This is, this is the Last Supper. And before they eat, he, he does something kind of amazing. Uh, the Bible says he takes off his outer garment. And, and it, it, it uses these words. It says, in order to show the, the fullness of his love. So he, he wanted to fully express his love. So he takes off his outer garment. He gets down on his hands and his knees. And he washes the feet of the disciples. Now just imagine, this is God who stepped out of heaven into humanity. So that he could live a perfect life that we couldn't. So that he would die the death that we deserve. He's on his hands and his knees. And he's washing the feet of men that are about to scatter. Like when, when, when the rubber hits the road, they're running down the road. Right? I mean, that's, that's what's going to happen. He, he's washing the feet of Judas, who's going to betray him, and Peter, who's going to deny him and curse his name. Jesus is showing the full extent of his love. And after he does, they share a meal, and then he begins to tell his disciples, okay guys, I've been, I've been telling you this, but it's time for me to go away. And, and, and they're troubled, and he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. This is John 14, 1. You trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would not have told you, but I'm going to go there now and prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, surely I'm going to come back, and I'm going to take you to be with me where I am. To which Thomas says, we want to go, Lord. And Jesus says, Thomas, you can't follow me to where I'm going right now. But I want to tell you this. Man, I know the Father. I've seen the Father, and you've seen me, so you've seen the Father. And Philip's, Phil, Philip chimes in at that point, and this is what Philip says. He says, uh, Lord, Philip says, John 14, 8 9, show us the Father, and then that'll be enough for us. And Jesus says to him, have I been among you all this time, and you don't know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is going, man, if you want to know what God looks like, look at me. And I'm telling you this morning, if you want to know how much God loves you, the best thing you can do is look at Jesus. And look at Jesus as he hangs on the cross. Right? You look at Jesus as he hangs on the cross, and that is the picture of how much God loves you. C.S. Lewis said it this way, he says, God who needs nothing loves into existence wholly superfluous creatures in order that he may love and perfect them. He creates the universe already foreseeing the buzzing cloud of flies about the cross, the flayed back pressed against the uneven stake, the nails driven through the messial nerves. If I may dare the biological image, God is a host who deliberately creates his own parasites, causes us to be that we may exploit and take advantage of him. Herein is love. He says, this is the diagram of love himself, the inventor of all loves. 
And what I'm telling you this morning is if you want to know how God feels about you, then just look at the cross. If, if you uh, feel unworthy, then look at the cross. If you feel unloved, then look at the cross. If, if you feel uh, like you've messed up one too many times, then look at the cross. Because there nailed next to Jesus is, is a thief who's most people would say is messed up one too many times, and yet Jesus says to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. You feel too far gone, look to the cross. Wonder what your value is, look to the cross, right? The clearest picture of God's love is Jesus. Last point I want to share with you, and I'll be done. So I want you to know that Jesus revealed, this is what the cross reveals, it revealed that God loves and longs to redeem His enemies. Right? Jesus revealed that God loves and longs to redeem His enemies. And, and if, if, listen, if, if you want to see God's love on display, then, then go read about the triumphal entry. Is, is Jesus is entering into Jerusalem, and He's entering into a place uh, where, where people have, have, have not believed in Him. And, and listen, they're going to shout Hosanna in the highest, but... but just a few days later, they're going to begin to shout, crucify Him, crucify Him. They're going to reject Him as, as, as the King of the Jews. Jesus enters a city full of people that are going to prosecute Him, that are going to punish Him, and that are going to put Him to death. And I want you to see how He responds as He enters into a city full of that kind of hatred. What does He do? Right? He's come to seek and save the lost, he says in Luke 19.10. So how does Jesus respond when he rides into a city full of people that will reject him, people that are going to punish him, right? They're going to penalize him, and they're going to put him to death. How does he respond? Here it is, Luke 19.41-42. It says, as he approached and saw the city, he wept for it. He wept for it, saying, if you knew this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. He wept over those that would reject and kill him. Jesus died because God loves his enemies. And that Jesus then tells us that we have to love our enemies. Because we were all enemies of God. You've got to let that sink in. We'll talk about that. So what do we do when we begin to unpack the, the love of God. We're going, man, this, this really is above what I could, could kind of think through. And I, I think there's some things we should do. Number one, I, we just have to think about it. We have, we have to think about the love of God. We've got to think about the love of God. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you just sat down and thought about it? Just like, like oh man, how much does God love me? Maybe I should think about this. I, I tried it this week. I was like, I'm going to put pen to paper. I'll give you some homework. Do this this week. I want you to try to put pen to paper and write down how God has shown you that He loves you. You can even pray, hey God, would you, would you show me how much you love me? And so I wrote down some things. I, I wrote down uh, that God loved me when I was His enemy. It's absolutely true. Good chunk of my life. I, I, I didn't want God. I didn't want necessarily anything to do with God. I mean, I, I would go to church sometimes, but I definitely didn't want the rules of God. I didn't want the reign of God over my life. I wanted it my way. And the Bible says at that point, I was, I was an enemy of God. In spite of that, God's providence over my life, His hand over my life, His protection over all of those years, man. God was so good. I, 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 I wrote that God has shown me that He loves me in the way that He provides for me. Do you know that I've never had a need in life that the Lord hasn't provided for? Now, I've had some wants, 
that I didn't get, right? Because I'm a kid, and sometimes I'm a spoiled kid, and sometimes I ask, you know, I'm like, hey, I want ice cream. It's two in the morning. God's like, no ice cream for you. Go back to bed, right? And sometimes I'm, I, want that, I want that car. I want, I want that truck. I don't care about debt or finances. And God's like, no, that would be dumb. I'm going to give you a vehicle that will get you to point A, from point A to point B, though, because that's what you need, right? And the Lord, there's never been a moment in my life that God hasn't provided for my needs. I I would bet the same is true for your life, right? I I wrote down uh, that I see how God loves me in the way that He comforts me. Through through some of the darkest times of my life, the Lord has been ever-present. When, when I didn't feel like I could openly communicate to anyone in, in this world, and God was there and allowed me to, to cry on His bosom, right? The Lord has comforted me. God has shown me how He loves me in the way that He restores me. And, and maybe you're one of those people here that you only had to be restored once, and, and now you're like a pristine car. But I, I, I tend to wreck myself on a weekly basis, right? And so God always in that garage, tuning me up, making me shine. Like God is so good in that way. Uh, God shows me He loves me in the way that He leads me. That, that I don't have to flounder about on my own. That the Lord graciously goes before me, often uh, putting an impression on my spirit that I should do something when I obey. The great blessing lies ahead. Right? And the Lord has been kind in that uh, He, he uh, has shown that He loves me in the way that He seeks me out. Anybody uh, pumped about a God that seeks them out that you don't have to do the seeking? Amen? Right? Uh, the, the Bible says even when we are faithless, He is faithful. And, and I can't tell you how many times that, that I've, I've been at that place emotionally that like, I'm just done fishing for men, God. They're, they're, they frustrate me. Right? Men are frustrating. People are frustrated. Like, I just can't take... And, 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 and you go back to fishing for fish like Peter did. You know, I'm just going to go do this for a while. I'm just going to go do something mindless. And the Lord always meets you on the shore and says, Hey, no, man, feed my sheep. Man, keep at it, brother. You've got to keep doing that. And the Lord's just been so kind in that. Uh, he, he shows me He loves me in the way that He saves me. Not just in the way that He saved me. That's not just a past tense. That's an everyday kind of thing because the Lord has to save my butt on a regular basis. Amen? Anyone else? Right? And the Lord saves me uh, in the way that He equips me. Right? It is a beautiful... God never calls anyone to do something that He then doesn't equip them for. He says, hey, I want you to step into this leadership role. Say, I don't know anything about that. And all of a sudden, you know a whole lot about that. Right? Because the Lord always equips those that He calls. The way that He empowers me shows me how He loves me. The way that He it never leaves me or forsakes me. I call this His presence. That He is with me. God walked with me through the valley. We just preached a whole series, God in the Valley, not long ago. Friends, I I preached that series because it was near and dear to my heart. And man, in the valley of life, I've found the Father walking patiently beside me, leading me to, to still waters when my whole spirit was anxious. Man, and there's such goodness there in the way that He forgives me. Amen. How good is God that He forgives us after we... I mean, like, like Paul says, I do the things that I don't want to do. Whew, thank you, Paul, for writing that. Amen. Like, man, I'm so grateful to the Apostle Paul for penning. Like, like there were other people that didn't pen those words. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see Peter penning those words, right? But man, Paul, oh, I still do things that I don't want to do, and, and yet the Lord forgives us. We know First John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just. He forgives us of our sin and purifies us of all unrighteousness. I, I see God's love for me in the way that He disciplines me. 
That's loving, isn't it? That loving correctiveness. Hey, dude, you're off track. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for a while until you come back. Say, yes, Lord, your ways are best. And so I want to challenge you this week. I want you to come up with your own list. I want you to think about how God has loved you. And so that's, that's assignment number one. Number two, uh, then, then you've got to receive the love of God. It's not just enough to think about the love of God. At some point, you have to receive the love of God, right? You, you have to say, yes, Jesus, come into my life. Be in control. I, I've learned that you love me. I've heard that you love me. But I now am going to believe. I'm going to buy in that you love me. I'm going to rest in that. I'm going to trust you to save me. And, and listen, this isn't just about salvation, friends. This is about the process we call sanctification. That's walking in the love of God. I, I, I just want to say this to you Christians. Listen, uh, I'm, I'm at, at home for a second. Listen, God loves you, man. And, and I know how you feel when you, when you fail and when you fall down. See, sometimes when we fail and when we fall down, we just want to stay there. We want to stay stuck. We're stuck in it. And, and the enemy's in our ear. Anybody ever had Satan tell them they're a loser? Right? Anybody ever had Satan tell them, like, like whisper in the air, you're not good enough for God? Right? Anybody, like, like you're too much of a mess up for God. There's no way he could use you. And so what happens, we mess up and in our shame, we just lay down in the fetal position and we just stop moving sometimes for months. You too need to receive the love of God. God loves you. And, and he knew what he was getting when he died on the cross for you. He knew that there would be times that you're going to struggle. Right? He knew that. He knew there would be times that you're going to struggle and He still died on the cross for you. And so you've got to receive that today. It, 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 maybe you walk through the doors and you're not feeling so hot about yourself. You're like, dude, I have messed up. You don't understand. You don't know what I've done. I used to say all those things too. I still say those things to some people. You don't know what I do. You do not know. I know you think I'm some kind of saint. I, I fail. So what do we do? We receive the love of God. Okay, third thing I think this message calls us to do, ready? So we have to love God back, right? We don't just receive the love of God, then we actually uh, do something with it. We, we love God back. Why did God do all this? Why did God send His Son, Jesus, to live the life that you couldn't, to die the death that you deserve, to conquer said death? Why, why is Jesus in heaven right now preparing a place for you? You ready? Because God wants you to love Him back. Because the Bible says we were made in the image of God. In the image of God we were made. And God is love. You know the one thing love can't do? It can't be forced. You ever had an unrequited love relationship? That's more the men than it is the women, right? Uh, men, like anybody, middle school, uh, maybe ninth grade year, you had a crush on a girl. Come on, right? And you tried, you tried, you wrote the note, check yes or no. You, you, you wrote the poem thinking that was cool. Uh, you gave the gift, nothing, right? Nothing. Unrequited love. Because love can't be forced. Love can't be forced. What does God want? Why did God send Jesus? Why did Jesus? Because God wants you to love Him back. He wants to set you free, and He wants you to live a life where you realize what He's done for you, and you say, thank you, thank you, thank you, that you, you spend your life thanking Him, loving Him in return. So how do we love God? Um, how many people have heard of the five love languages? Five love languages, right? Okay. One of those love languages is physical touch, so God is spirit, so I'm going to take that off the list. Uh, so I'll talk to you about four love languages, uh, four love languages real quick. So uh, words of affirmation, that's what we call worship, right? 
God, God, I praise you. God, you're good. God, God, you, 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 you're better than I deserve. We praise God and, and, and we tell Him how awesome He is. Your, your works are wonderful. I know them full well. That's, that's worship, right? And so words of affirmation. Um, acts of service, right? Where we, we do things because God is good. So, well, God, I'm, I'm going to get up. I know it's Sunday and I didn't sleep, but I'm going to go to church. I'm gonna, and that, that includes you guys at home. I'm going I'm to turn on the TV and I'm not watching the pregame. I'm, I'm learning about Jesus and that's what I'm going to do because I'm going I'm to serve God. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to stand at a door and I'm going to smile at some people. I'm going to help set up at a park. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do something because of what you've done for me. Acts of service. And we have quality time. That's a love language quality time. Well, guess what? The Bible says that's what God wants to do. I mean, back in Genesis, he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He just wanted to be with them. The story of the Bible is a God that comes down to be with us. Right? Emmanuel, God with us. God wants to hang out with you all the time. That's why he says, pray without ceasing. He's going, man, let's hang out all day together. You and me. You and me all day. Quality time is a great way to love God. And then finally, there's, there's gifts. There's gifts. One of the things that we do is we give unto the Lord a portion of all that he's given us. It's the way that we say, you are God, you are king. And, and more importantly, ready? It says, you're the provider, not me. Whew. Boy, that, that's freeing, by the way. I know some of you, you work on your budget, you're like, I don't know how that's freeing. It's freeing. When you say, God, you're in charge of what I make. Roof over my head, my mortgage rate. Man, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna lead me in all those things. I'm going to trust you. It's freeing, all right? So we've got to love God back. Lastly, Guys, we have to love people the way that God's loved us. You have to love people the way that God's... How is God loved? God loves his enemies. God loves his enemies. We have to do the same. All right? I'm giving Catherine Carter a little shout out as we were doing our, our research this week. I was talking to her about that. She goes, hey, 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 hey. You know the phrase, I am my own worst enemy? Sometimes we have to love ourselves, right? Second greatest command in all of Scripture is love your neighbor as yourself. If you can't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. So we have to learn to love ourselves too. We have to love people that disagree with us. Guys, November 3rd's around the corner. A lot of people are going to disagree with you. You've got to love them, right? It's not, I'm not, I'm, all, this, all this online, I'm going to cut you out of my life. I'm never going to, I mean, like, we, we have to learn to love people that we don't agree with. By the way, this, this means uh, the love of God, that God loves you as much as he loves your enemy. Just let that sing. He loves your enemy, let's rephrase that, he loves your enemy as much as he loves you. Which means that when you go uh, and look at names on a ballot, that, that God loves Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as much as he loves Donald Trump. And my pets, because he loves people. Now, now, we're not talking about actually God hates sin, but God loves people. God loves people. Boy, that's hard to grasp, isn't it? The love of God. Incomprehensible. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. My hope and prayer is that you guys will try. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer before we do. Miss Mary Smith, one of our sweetest members, uh, is in the hospital. She had to have surgery yesterday. And uh, she, she called me. I talked to her day after surgery. She's recovering. And she said, Brother Jason, would you please pray for me? I said, I not only will I pray for you, we will pray for you when we have church. 
So we're going to pray for Miss Mary Smith. I want to encourage you guys, in your digital sermon notes, there is a list of everything going on in the life of the church. There's also some great discussion questions that you can talk about with your family when you leave this place. We want to encourage you guys to do that. Let me, let me pray for Miss Mary, and then we're going to close out, okay? Uh, dear God, you know Miss Mary's needs. You know her heart. I'm so thankful for the surgeons that found this blockage that were able to, to do an hour and a half long surgery to clean things up. Now we pray for express healing. God, we pray that you would heal her, that you would bring her back home. Jesus, we ask that in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen.